Before we get into this, I want to give you a quick heads up about audio quality. This is, uh, you know, it's made up of five different Zoom call recordings, um, and then it was live streamed on YouTube. So the audio quality is not um, up to usual standard, but um, I think that it's... uh, you know, that's not the most important thing here. I think the message is the most important thing. So yeah, just wanted to give you a quick heads up. In a few minutes, you'll you'll get used to it and uh, you won't even notice. So yeah, thank you for hanging in there. This week's episode is brought to you by Synthbooth, an interactive online experience where modular synth makers, musicians, and enthusiasts can connect with their community in a safe and accessible setting. Synthbooth is hosted virtually using an attendee web and mobile application and features panel discussions, educational sessions, a keynote, virtual exhibitor booths, community chat rooms, and music performances. This will be taking place October 16th through the 18th, and you can get your tickets online right now at synthbooth.com. Suzanne Chiani is going to be there. Banna Hafar is going to be there. And Annie. I mean, a a whole plethora of amazing performances and amazing manufacturers and speakers. Synthbooth.com for your tickets. And if you're wondering, what is this crazy awesome thing that is going on under Tim's voice? Well, that's just uh, a guitar and the reverb pedal from Empress Effects. I just got it, and I gotta tell you, it's one of the most lush-sounding, versatile reverb pedals I've ever played with. Um, So please visit them online at empresseffects.com. Welcome to a special episode of Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held, and as you may or may not know, I am currently in Wyoming doing a road trip with my wife for our second wedding anniversary. So this week, I thought I would do something a little different while I'm away. I'm going to hand over my uh, my job as host to the Southern California Synth Society, who has recently launched a new online series called Frequency Shift. Their goal is to give a platform to female and non-binary artists around the globe. Their mission is to shift the paradigm in electronic music from what is accepted to being respected. This series also includes a feature entitled Tech Talk, where they interview some of the most talented women who make the very modules that their artists use in their performances. And that's exactly what you're going to be listening to this week. But before we get into that, I just want to give a quick shout out and thank you to Patchwork Seattle for being um, one of my sponsors since the beginning of the show. Um, Please visit them at patchworks.com. That's P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com for all your synthesizer needs. And also Needham Woodworks, the finest Eurorack cases in the land. Please visit them online at needhamwoodworks.com. And I know I've been uh, talking about them for a while, but I can't get enough of these new Afterlater audio mods the steps, the blend, and the tilt. I literally can't leave home without them. I'm in Wyoming right now, and they are with me. Um, So they're going to be making some cool appearances, hopefully soon. But uh, please go check them out online at afterlateraudio.com. I think that's about all I have to say. Other than thank you to uh, Corey Banks from Beat People. Um, He originally hosted this chat on his YouTube channel, and... um, we decided that it would be cool to also give it an extra boost uh, in podcast form. So when you hear that uh, intro here in a moment from Corey, that will make more sense. Um, yeah, and I really hope that uh, 
that you all out there enjoy this and get to know some new cool people and hear from some familiar voices. Let's get into it. Yo, welcome to Beat People Podcast. And this is a special episode. This is the Frequency Shift uh, Beat People Podcast Takeover. Um, and it's hosted by Travarsi. And you are watching this today. This is August 22nd. It's 12 p.m. And we want to welcome you to the show. Just let me want to welcome our guests for this Tech Talk and Frequency Shift episode. Uh, we have Chris Kaiser, Christine Higgins, uh, Thea Flowers, and Oni Mitchell. So without further ado, let's get into this. Hello. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi. Thank you. Thank you, B-Boy Tech, for opening up your channel. I am your host today. My name is Travarsi from SoCal Sin Society. And today we are going to be having a tech talk uh, with my guests here. I'm going to have them do a little introduction for you, and then we're going to get started on on some questions. All right. So let's start off with with Chris. Uh, Welcome, Chris. Hi, thank you. Uh, thanks, everybody, for being here. Um, I'm Chris Kaiser from Noise Engineering, and my official title is Doer of Many Things. Nice. And Thea. Hi, I'm Thea Flowers. I'm from Winterbloom, and I, I don't have a title. I'm the only person here. So um, I guess everything is, is my fault. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And Christine. Hi, I'm Christine Higgins from 1010 Music. And my, is my title? Well, my business card says product wrangler, but that's, um, I mean, it's, that can be interpreted in many, many ways. <laughs> <laughs> and Omi. Hi, I'm Naomi, or just Naomi. Um, I run Omi Industries. I basically do everything. I don't have nice. an official title. So. All right. Well, welcome. Thank you, ladies, for for opening your time and wanting to share this information. And I know that there are a lot of people in the chat that are already excited, and they've been waiting. So before we get into the, the heavy hitter questions, I must ask all of you, what was the first concert you went to? Hey, we need. This looks like it's going to be good. So we're going to keep, just so everyone's on the screen, we'll just keep moving, we'll move clockwise. So start off with Chris. So this is going to date me terribly, but my first concert was the Australian band Ice House and Men Without Hats. And I was completely over the moon for the lead singer of Ice House's mullet. <laughs> Amazing. Cool. Mine was uh, when I was 14, my mom took me to see Metallica and Godsmack. Nothing <laughs> cooler as a 14 year old than getting your mom to take you to a metal concert. <laughs> your mom is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my first one was my parents took me to see the Beach Boys, but the first one I went to because I asked to go to was my dad took us to go see the Cars back in the early 80s. Nice. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. 
I somehow convinced my dad to take me to a hardcore punk show. It was the casualties. That was my first. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well done. Well done. How was your dad at the concert? Uh, stayed at the back of the concert, at the back of the <laughs> venue the whole time. <laughs> With earplugs in and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you for answering that. I really appreciate it. All right. So let's get into it. All right. So my first question for you is, and let's just for the sake of, I know, uh, time, we'll just keep moving clock, clockwards, clockwise. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> All right. So the first question, how did you get into the business of electronic music? Um, in a word for me, it was a spreadsheet. <laughs> I was in a job I didn't like, and uh, I ran his engineering with my husband, Stephen, who um, was also in a job that he was ready to leave. We had other plans. I just decided I didn't want to do that job anymore, though. And so we made a spreadsheet and said, hell with it, and went full time with nice engineering. And bought a house and moved in and started working together for the first time ever, um, all in one month. So that was good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That is amazing. Um, <laughs> that is very crazy. Did you mesh well right away or just? Uh, the first year was hard, but um, for reasons we'll talk about when I we talk. But it mainly because it was, I didn't know much about my job. Uh, and so it, it was hard, but it it worked well, I think. And I, I don't think there's anybody I'd rather work with. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah, how about you? Yeah, so I guess like slowly and accidentally, I'm, I still have a day job, so I'm not like, this isn't my full-time thing yet. Um, but I I don't know, I was, I was bored. I write software for a living and I'm like, I wanna build something physical. And then I built something and I was like, people might buy this. And here I am. I have a company now. Please help. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So I started because my husband started 1010 Music, and then he need. I can't remember which came first that he needed the user manual written or that he needed the the e-commerce website implemented. But it was one of those two that I said, "All right, I can do that," and I just jumped in and did that, and then that all both of those turned into me helping to test things because you can't document without using it and then you find the bugs along the way and then that turned into me helping to co-design the user interfaces for the for the firmware very cool yeah i started out uh designing things for myself and i designed my first module and i started talking to people about it and there was interest and so i kind of figured hey i should make a couple of these and sell them and that's kind of how I fell into it. <laughs> nice. So so now moving into after you all kind of made, took this plunge and got started into your companies, uh, my next question is, so we recognize that in smaller companies, a lot of people are multitaskers. I know you mentioned that even in your titles. Um, so what are the different types of jobs that you do for your company? Um, well, I don't know how to program, so that's probably the easier way to say it is I don't program, and I do everything else. Um, and that's, you know, we're, we're all, all of us are small companies. Uh, we all, you know, at Noise Engineering, I can say that everybody does 
if it's within their ability at some point, they pick up the slack and do it. It's like a team. Yeah. I mean, like, there's, I, I, I generally take care of all of the business side of things, which is a big stereotype in the industry that the women just do the business. But uh, I do that, but I also do the hardware. Um, I do the art if I need to. Typically, we have Marcus do that now, but if I need to do that, I do that. If I need to pick up Slack on social media, I do that. If we need to do uh, testing, I do that. Like, you know, it, it's whatever task is thrown at me that day is, is what I do. You know, when you're a small company, if you don't do it, it doesn't get done. So, you know, but I suspect the other ladies here are going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> and Thea, how about you? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm the only person here. So everything kind of falls on me. I, I try really hard to focus on the things that I find fun, like, you know, doing the electronics design and the software design and, you know, actually designing the modules themselves. I try to outsource as much as I can, but I'm still dealing with a lot of stuff that I don't find fun. <laughs> Um, but like I've outsourced most of the manufacturing and I, but every module still come through my hands at some point. And I've, I'm trying to outsource the accounting now, which is super important to me because I really hate doing accounting. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mostly me. I'm sure it takes you in a different headspace too. Like, yeah, I, I don't like numbers. Like I know I'm a, a programmer or engineer or whatever, but I hate numbers. <laughs> They're not fun. <laughs> How about you, Christine? All right, well, Aaron manages the business, so that breaks that uh, <laughs> stereotype for us. He's more the business guy, and he does the, the primary module design. He's the idea guy, but I like to think of myself as more the person that helps to take the features and turn them into a workflow. Of how does it work together? What's the user scenario that people need to use to, to make it a more useful thing? Because it's great to have a feature, but unless you have all the parts that go around it, then I help try to focus on that. And then I also do the shipping. I manage the order inputs for the uh, dealers. And then I uh, write the user manuals. I implemented the website. I set up the forum. And I don't know, there's probably a lot more things I'm forgetting, but those are the top few. <laughs> so a lot. I mean, what we're gathering here, just to kind of touch base with everybody in the chat, um, is that, I mean, they're doing everything. So Naomi, you take it away. And yeah, like, like I said, I, I do everything. I design the modules, wrap them, uh, and then ultimately build them all by hand. So I'm kind of, and then do manuals and social media. My wife helps uh, run the website a little bit and uh, edits <laughs> manuals after I write them and helps a little bit with video editing, but mostly it's me. Yes. So as everyone, Chris, your title doer of many things, it seems like that's like across the board for, for everyone on this panel. <laughs> um, so my, my next question then is um, what education and experience or training enabled you to do the work that you do uh, with, especially with the fact that every, all of you said that you basically do a little of everything, if not everything specifically for your companies. Uh, I have none. Uh, before we did this, I was a biology professor, so I have a lot of degrees, but they're all in biology. Uh, but I, what I typically say to this question is that all of my like PhD in science teaches you how to learn things more than it teaches you specific information. 
And so by the time you finish a PhD, you become a global expert in some like ridiculously small piece of knowledge. So I can tell you a whole lot about dog sex, but nobody cares. <laughs> but that's my expertise, right? Um, so that's why I was mentioning earlier, I alluded to the first year being hard. I was used to being the world expert on some like arcane thing about frogs. Uh, and then I started this and I literally knew nothing about what I was doing. Um, but I knew how to learn things. And so I guess that's the education that I have that really helped me do this. Because I knew I knew that I could, I knew I was smart. I knew that I was talented and I knew I could. And so, you know, when you're put in a position that you have to learn things, you have to do things, you do it. So, mm-hmm. Um, that's what I did. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, how about you? Um, I also have none, but also I don't have any degrees <laughs> at all. I, I barely graduated high school. Wow. I, I don't know how I, I'm doing anything, honestly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I have, like I mentioned earlier, I have a background in software engineering. I've actually been in that, been doing that for most of my life. Awesome. So. Having some experience with software helped, at least helps me write the firmware a little bit easier for my modules, but the hardware design is definitely something that I've been very new to and very much learning on the job over the last two years and has been super hard, but there's been great resources out there, so. My background is, uh, I was originally a computer and systems engineering major and did control systems work at one point in time, which has absolutely nothing to do again with this. But um, what I did for many, many years was I went out and did the requirements gathering and the specification writing for uh, e-commerce applications, mostly web applications for many years. And so from that, I learned how to focus on what does the end user need and what's the full picture that goes with it and not just the one little feature thing and got really good at technical writing. And I did some coding in my early career too. So that helped to understand what kind of goes into making the firmware. And yeah, uh, I went to art school, um, which has definitely helped me with the with the design aspects. But um, more than like visual art or drawing or anything, what I got out of art school is a, cre- a critical and creative eye that I can use to examine my own work more so than I didn't get any like hardware or anything of that um, training. I mostly teach, taught myself with uh, some help from nice people in the sim community. Um, but yeah, um, I also learned, you know, visual art, and I usually uh, design my modules from the faceplate in. So I set out a group of uh, functionality that I think would be useful or important, lay that out on a panel, make sure it looks good, make sure, and then kind of double back on that and design from there and make changes as necessary. Nice. So before we move on to the next question, just to kind of go in a little bit more. Um, it's interesting what you just said about the fact of how you design your, you start from the panel and going in and look, thinking about your background, um, is that a factor of, I guess, how you would approach, sorry, I'm just kind of throwing this guys in too, but like how you approach thinking about a module or how you tackle a specific task, if that makes any sense. Like how, for example, the faceplate working in, faceplate first inward. 
for us, we tend to, so when we design a module, it's usually sort of by committee, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, we design as a group. Uh, we decide what we want it to be. Uh, and everybody gets to argue about the feature set. Um, we're, we're pretty democratic within the company on that. Uh, what, and then once we have feature set, we we do exactly what Naomi said. Um, and I'm not sure that's really based on background. I think that's based on just trial and error. And we've we've made some module. We've we've made a lot of modules at this point, and you know, admittedly, they're not all winners. And I think that we've stumbled into the fact that. Um, when we do it, when we design this way, you know, we just make it better. Uh, so just having having multiple people having input and like really thinking through and arguing about what's going to make the best product and like really listening to everybody. Like, everybody's on our team for a reason. Like we have all these people, who, they have important insight, so we should listen to them and then really think about and put all of those thoughts into practice when we design. That's just how we're going to. Nice, excellent. Yeah, I, I think for me, like, my background doesn't influence where I get my ideas for my modules from, because those kind of just come from primordial chaos or whatever. Um, but it definitely influences how I bring them to life, right? Like, I learned how to program because of open source. I learned how to do the hardware stuff because people were being, you know, involved and willing to teach and, like, all of this stuff. So, like, the way that I bring my modules to life is always sort of, with this eye towards, it should be approachable, it should be easy to understand, and it should be easy to customize, right? Like, I dropped something. Anyways, <laughs> but like, you know, openness is sort of the first principle here. If my module, if you can't learn something from what I make, then I feel like I've failed. So, yeah, it's kind of how I approach things because of my background where, you know, I didn't have any formal, formal teaching here. So. Right. Cool. So for me, Aaron usually does the hardware design first. And so he's got a rough idea of here's vaguely what we're going to do. It's going to be this kind of a product. And here's the hardware. And in some cases, the hardware already exists. And we're porting new firmware to it because of the soft, the, the touchscreen nature of our products. And then I sit down with him and we say, OK, what is the what are the things we want the user to be able to do with it? And then break that down into how what does that look like on the user interface? And we have one advantage with our stuff because of it being a very firmware-driven thing with the, the touchscreen that we can deliver new firmware and add more features all the time, and we do it all the time. And so if we make a mistake and don't quite get it right the first time, then we have the luxury of being able to put out a new firmware and fix it as long as it's working with the same hardware. So we do a lot of um, sketching just on paper, just drawing out the design of what we think it's going to look like and drawing it a few different times and then collaborating on it. And you can even see like on the wall behind me back there, we've been putting up on the wall, and that's our designs and kind of what we work from. Nobody zoom in. <laughs> All old stuff we already checked. Okay. <laughs> um, and I know I'm sort of doubling back. Naomi, did you want to yeah. add? Yeah, I'm just going to say, um, I mean, an early part of the design of the panel, but before that, and more important than that, is, is this something that I want? Is this something that I want to use? Mm -hmm. That's the first consideration before feature set, before what it's going to look like, how I'm going to build it. It's, do I want this? I designed one of my upcoming modules uh, while I was doing research for a, a written piece. 
um, that I did for uh, Perfect Circuit on the random, uh, uh, different kinds of ways of doing random. And I was like, oh, I want to do this. And that was kind of uh, how I got kind of informed on my most recent module. So just like, and I've, recently I've started using uh, video components in my designs because I've gotten more into video synthesis. Very cool. So, okay, I, I have a question, but I'll on that, but I will wait until a little bit later. Um, but so let's move into then the next question that I kind of want to go into is what are the challenges that you've experienced as women in, in this industry, in the music industry, creating modules? There have been many. Um, I would say the number one sort of umbrella issue challenge would just be being just flat out dismissed. Uh, I've been, I mentioned the, the stereotype about women just doing business of things. Um, I've been told that flat out by people uh, that, oh, well, you know, you know that women just do the business. And I'm like, I designed the hardware. So no. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, that's, that's actually not true. Um, I, I've had a lot of people just try to, particularly at trade shows, um, they'll walk directly past me and try to talk to market one of our um, very male presenting employees. Um, just ignore me and go straight to Marcus. Um, and I, I remember at one point at NAM, somebody came up and asked where the owner of the company was. And the, the person that was helping with the booth pointed to me and he looked at me and said, oh, yeah, but it's your husband's company. So, you know, there's a lot of dismissal like that. Uh, so I, I would say that's the big frustration that I've had. That and uh, I often, it, it, this has gotten a lot better, particularly with events like frequency shift, but I frequently have struggle to find other women doing things like this, um, which has been really lonely. So it's really fantastic to have an event like this. Thank you so much, though, Cal, doing this. You're welcome. Like this is a, that's a, that answer is exactly one of the reasons why we wanted to do this and why we felt it was really important to do it. Uh, Thea, how about you? Yeah. I mean, absolutely echoing everything that was just said, <laughs> but I, I'm also relatively new to the like electronic music stuff. So like a lot of my experience is just being a woman in tech in general and whew, it's bleak. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I totally agree with the whole thing of like, it's hard to find other women doing this, right? Like. For the longest time, only was the only person I knew that was building synthesizers. I've like since been able to find more, and I, you know, I'm really glad that I have. But like, I'm always happy to meet more because there's so few of us. And the thing is, like, just more broadly in electronics, especially open source hardware, I've noticed that women tend to get taken less seriously in general, right? Like, if you do anything, if you're a woman, it's just assumed that you're either not really doing anything all that technical or you're just doing education stuff. And if you are deeply technical and you do anything that barely even touches education, like you kind of just get written off and it's it's really sad. Like you can you can see this with how like 
quote, serious engineers think about Adafruit, it's like, oh, that's toys for children. It's not real engineering stuff. It's like, I don't know, Lemur Freak owns a, you know, amazing electronics company and last I checked, you don't, so. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's really easy for people to just dismiss us and not take us seriously. Mm -hmm. How about you, Christine? So I would say that I'm pretty much isolated here because I work primarily with my husband and he takes me very seriously. And so that's a good thing. I don't do conferences that much. I do now once in a while and I can't say I've had too many issues there, but I will say that having worked as an engineer in the past, I did have a boss who struck up a conversation with me about what was wrong with America is that women weren't staying home and taking care of the children. So what was I supposed to think of my career prospects with him in the future? I mean, the guy ended up leaving and going becoming a, anyway, doing another job and I kept on doing that job, but We'll see, but that was my worst story for that. So. Yeah, definitely. I've definitely been dismissed uh, in the past, like doing promotion for my stuff, and people would be like, "Oh, this is boring," or "This is dumb," and there are better things out there. Um, so that's really discouraging. Um, but I mean, things like this, as everyone's kind of said, have been really nice, nice way. Um, to kind of connect with other women because that's definitely something that I have found has been really deeply rewarding. Um, I'm so happy to be a part of this. Thank you. Thank I, you. I, I wanted to share an anecdote that Omi just reminded me of when, when she said that like there are better things out there. When I announced my first module, which is a, a, a USB MIDI to CD converter, the first comment that I got on it, period, was someone saying, oh, noise engineering just announced the same thing, but better. And I'm just like, ah! <laughs> so yeah, it's it's so easy for us to just not be taken seriously and dismiss. But yours is out, right? Yeah, mine's Ours out. Isn't. Yeah, which I mean, and just hearing what all of you are saying, you know, I'll just say briefly, um, when I was 15 and I came out to my grandfather, pulled me aside and sat down and said to me, like, being a woman, being a woman of color, and now being gay, like, you're going to be up against a lot of challenges. So, you know, be strong, be prepared, my family, you know, we're here. And I feel like that advice has stuck through me, struck stuck with me my entire life. And that's like, it's important for me to participate and create these platforms for people that are not heard and that should be heard and that are strong and smart. And uh, so that, so thank you again, yes, for being here. And so with that, I wanna ask you, what do you enjoy most about your work? Like, what do you enjoy most about it? I would say, I mean, we talked a little bit earlier about how we all, as small as small companies, we all have, we wear a lot of different hats. Um, and I find that really fun um, because it's really hard to get bored with your job when you have to do something slightly different every day. It, at times, it's a little overwhelming because, like, I... I feel like I'm still not quite a master of anything. Um, you know, several years in, I haven't fully mastered any of the things I really want to know. Uh, but um, it's 
feel really fun to like, I'm, I'm always learning. I never have a day where I don't learn. Uh, and that's, that's really fun. That's really rewarding. And then I also get to talk to people in, you know, all over the world, amazing customers that are just a joy to talk to and so much fun and entertaining and like really, really cool people. So yeah, just do things. Nice. How about you, Thea? I just love creating something physical. I mean, I've, I've spent most of my career building things that are abstract and, you know, it's it's hard to like tell your friends, oh, I built this thing when it's like some random database backend on some high scale <laughs> website. They're like, oh, so can you hack my Facebook? No. Like, <laughs> But I mean, when I can point at a big button that honks and say, I built that, they get it, you know, like <laughs> building something physical is wonderful. I also really get a lot of joy from just seeing my modules out in the wild and seeing what people do with them. Because um, the, the two that I have out there are like, you could change the firmware really easily. So people have done some really weird stuff with them and it's, it's just awesome. I love seeing I love seeing people sort of take something that I, I thought of and use it in ways I never expected. I really, really love that. That's very cool. How about you, Christine? Yeah, I love knowing that we've been making things that help people make music, like especially in the last few months where I heard from a number of uh, retailers that music industry sales have been pretty high lately. And it's nice to know that in a time when people have some bleak stuff going on around them that they've got the joy of music that we're able to give them to have something to entertain themselves and be creative while they're at home and be, then you able to see on facebook or see on youtube some creation that somebody made using your module is just heartwarming you know, that you're keeping people entertained and giving a reason to stay home <laughs> and stay inspired and, inspired. and stay inspired yes yeah, I would say the two things that I like the most are A, I like routing circuit boards, because that's just fun. Uh, it's a fun, nerdy problem that I like solving. Um, and then I, I like seeing my modules out in the world. I like seeing them used. I saw, what was it? It was like the Goldie finals of like uh, drum and bass or like electronic music production. And there was a someone with a, one of my modules in his setup that this like, weird live uh, event that they were putting on. That was really cool. <laughs> it's very cool. If, if I could circle back for a second, Omi said something that made me really say yes, because the, the tackling nerdy problems is a fun thing. It's being able to use your brain and being able to say, how are we going to make this happen? And not knowing it first and then being able to come up with a solution. That is a very fun thing. Nice. All right, then. So with that, then let me just ask you this then what advice would you give to your younger self so whether it be five or 15 years ago or whatever embarking on these career choices i was thinking about this and my path here was really weird and bizarre so it's hard to think of much i would want to change because it got me here even though it was really not very traditional to go from studying frogs in tropical rainforests to making circuit boards. Um, but the only thing I could think of is that I would say, learn some damn programming. <laughs> that, that's been, I would say the number one thing that's limited my abilities here um, is that I just don't have any real foundation for programming. And I really wish that I did. Hmm. And how about you, Thea? 
Well, first, I want to say I'm always happy to answer questions about programming if any of you three want to throw them at me. <laughs> happy, more than happy to do that. Um, I think for me, I would tell I would tell myself to start sooner. Like, I didn't know how much joy this would bring me. Um, so I, yeah, I would say start sooner. Um, and also, don't underestimate how much work running a business is. It's a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. How about you, Christine? Um, I think it would probably be to spend more time learning the music side of things and how people really use synthesizers and, and getting a better, more depth in that sooner than what I did. Because I didn't come from really a, as a user perspective of being a user of synthesizers. I came from it from more of a firmware and software design perspective. And so getting a little deeper into that, because the more I understand about how what Delafo is and stuff like that, for example, the better I, I can help design products. Mm. And how about you? Um, I would say, well, I was really intimidated at first um, by everything, making the prospect of making a module. So I would say, uh, don't be intimidated. Reach out to people that will be helpful and just dive in and get started working on it earlier and also do some programming. <laughs> so then, um, so what advice would you have for women or anyone interested in getting into this field then? Learn as much as you can um, and make, make contact. I mean, we found everybody in this industry. We found almost everybody in this industry <laughs> is really willing to help each other out uh, and and supportive of each other. Uh, and you know, at the end of the day, most companies realize that people are using their products with other products. Uh, so I want my product to work well with Winter Bloom products, with Foamy products, with Pen 10 products, with you name it. So like, I, I want to work with other companies. I want other companies to want to work with us. But so, you know, reach out to other companies and say, hey, what can we do together? Um, you know, get help where you need it. And, you know, figure out what you're not good at and get help with it. <laughs> That's good advice. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, mine is pretty much the same. Find your community, right? Like, you know, if you're if you're a woman or underrepresented minority getting to this, find people like us. Like, find find your people. Like, like becoming friends with only actually helped me stick with this. So, like, you know, if you find your people, you find a support network. You have people you can ask questions of, and you know, people you can work with. And I also like like finding the Adafruit community with all of those makers who are doing nonsense stuff but are still like super open and helpful was like super important for me to be able to do this. So find the community is probably the most important thing. I would say just keep in mind that you don't have to know everything when you start. There's nobody knows it all. And so you're gonna have to learn stuff and you will and you'd be amazed at the things you have to learn, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know more about international shipping requirements than I ever thought I would need to know, for example. But yeah, see, it's not easy. It's hard. 
But you know what? You dive in and you go to YouTube and you find a website or you ask somebody and you figure it out. And like I said, it's, there's so many people in this industry that have been helpful and open and, and sharing that reach out and get the help you need. Don't be afraid to do it because you don't know one part of it or you don't know all the parts of it. It's okay. You'll learn. It won't be the things you think you need to learn either. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would say mirroring what everyone else said, just don't be afraid to reach out. There's tons of people who are more than willing to help out. Um, and kind of, it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of our duty as people who have who have accrued this knowledge of synthesis and design and all these other things to pass it on to more people and kind of repay what we have learned from other people. Nice. And I, uh, and I wanna kind of circle back well, first of all, with what we all your answers, but also circle back to another answer when we were talking about um, women, you know, people dismissing older educators, and the foundation of all of your answers is basically helping people and educating them. And so it's very ironic to think that it's such a dismissive that it is dismissed. Be like, oh, well, they just educate, and that's why we have these synth societies, Colorado synth society. Uh, modular Houston, we have up in Seattle. I know there's some in the East Coast. We have Midwest, and now we have SoCal Society Modular World. And all of these societies are people that want to help people and teach them, and in, in essence, give them some sort of education so they can better whatever it is that they're trying to do. Um, so, like, what do you find? What has been the most surprising thing you found about these communities or your modular community? Or, the whole modular community as a whole. I would say for me, it's uh, generally how supportive people are. Um, like particularly, for example, if you go to a modular on the spot, um, one of the things that I find really, really lovely about modular on the spot is that literally anybody can play and Every single person that I've ever seen perform at Modular on the Spot, whether they've never performed before or whether they're a famous composer, they get the same reception. Their set ends and the entire crowd goes wild. And, you know, it's just this democratization, however you say that word, of the performance space that I think is really neat. Um, that you don't see in a lot of other music communities. Uh, I, and, you know, that's true. You know, it doesn't matter who the performer is, male, female, person of color, not. Like, it's been really, I, I, I've really appreciated seeing that. Um, and I think just in general, I, I've found the community to be uh, generally welcoming although um i know you have a question planned for later about the things that you might uh, change um about the industry so we'll talk more about that too but i would say it's i found the community generally uh, extremely welcoming um on the whole um, and that surprised me i didn't knowing what i know about most of the music industry and particularly how dismissive people are toward women um, just how generally people um, receive at least live performances at places like Monster on the Spot and others. Uh, 
I've just been really pleased with how uh, receptive people are to a lot of things that I a lot of performances, a lot of performances. Yeah, I, I think for me, I've I've been very surprised at like the DIY ethic that's in the the synth community. Like my my background in music is with the guitar, and like I I remember like the bands that I played with and all this stuff and musicians that we would hang out with. Like they never wanted to work on their instruments, right? They just wanted to play, and you know, it's just you know it's like a spoon to them. But like for for synth folks, like they're not afraid to just get in there and you know figure stuff out and mess around with their instruments. And I was actually really surprised by that. I was shocked and I got like so many requests for kitted versions of my modules. I'm like, these aren't the easiest things to put together. Are you, what, like, what is, what is wrong with you? But no, people just love putting stuff together. Like this, that's how they treat this. And it's, it's really great. I like, I really enjoy the, the DIY ethic. Yeah, kind of adding to what Thea said, one thing that surprised me is, is when, is, as I've heard it put, the, the hot rod perspective of it. It's like in my parents' days, it was all about the, you had your car in your garage that you built, and now it's about your synthesizer in your basement that you're building and putting parts together and trying to make <laughs> it look cool and trying to make it sound cool. And then the, in some cases, the other thing that surprised me is that it's about, it's not just about making music, it's about exploring sound and how can I, I combine this and that, what kind of sound am I gonna get? And it's kind of the, the, the pleasantness of the surprise of finding some new sound that you were able to generate by combining different things and that aspect of it. And then lastly, the, the thing that's frustrating about most is how technical some of these things are. Like I mean, you have to know what an LFO is and an envelope and all this kind of stuff and how you do what to make music. And it's just, it's, it just kind of surprised me that how, how technical it is, but it's impressive. Yeah, how it's say. The, the thing that surprised me, and it took a little bit of time to realize and kind of figure out because the dominant people out there are cis, white, straight men, but there it is a pretty, it's a very diverse community overall. Like mm -hmm. there's people from all over and you just have to figure out how to find other people, but they're definitely out there and that's really nice to know. Um, I know when a lot of people, when they first get into it, they just see this, the that user group, um, which is not always the most welcoming or inviting, but there are many of us that are out there, and it's just important to uh, find your communities. I, 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 for one, love that you can satisfy the creative, artistic side, but also that like technical, like get your hands dirty, like get in there and and break things, and then. I asked something like Justin, for example, to fix it. It's okay, so society. No, but you know, just the whole aspect of being able to get technical and dig in, and and then also then be creative with something that you that you can even build yourself. So I like that too. Um, what if you could change then one thing about the industry you work in? What would it be? I would say the number one thing. Well, I think I'm it's sorry. getting better. I want to ask first, my apologies, I want to ask this question first. And have you seen a change in the industry during your journey? Let's start there and then we'll go to today. Um, I would say that I have, um, and we still have a long way to go. Uh, the first year that I did NAM, uh, 
was before I actually was working with noise engineering. Um, I was still at that point. Um, and so I should back up and say that we used to be next to the guitars at NAM. <laughs> and when they moved us, they rearranged the floor and they moved us away from the guitars. And that just miraculously coincided with things getting better at NAM. And I, you know, I don't know if it's correlation or causation. I'm not, I'm, I'm not speculating on which one it was. But um, the year that we were no longer next to the guitars, at that point, things got a lot better at NAM. Um, but like it, the first, there was one year where I kept saying to Steven that it was so bad. And he had never had the harassment at NAM. But he really, he had no reference point. He didn't understand how bad it was. Um, and he was like, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's just people are jerks at NAM. I'm like, no, no, no you don't understand how bad this is. So I started telling him every time somebody said a second comment. And by the end of the first day, he was just like, holy shit. Like, and he started to get it. Um, and now um, this past year at NAM, um, I still get ignored a lot. Um, and people still ignore me and walk up to any of the guys in the booths. Um, so I call them my booth babe. <laughs> so, you know, they ignore me for the booth babes. Uh, but I have had almost no, um, almost no sexist comments at NAM in the last NAM. So I'm using that as my, my bar. Um, I would say there's still a lot of room to go, but, uh, we're using that as a bar. I would say that we've made some progress. Like a good gauge. <laughs> How about you, Theo? I I don't know if I've been at this long enough to really say, right? Like, I I'm still just kind of getting my bearing on like the status quo here, right? Like, I I don't know. I I'm I'm on the lookout. Like, I know that this is kind of an ever changing sea of, of mm -hmm. stuff here, but for me, it's just I'm still wrapping my head around it. I'm still learning who the distributors are, like, yeah, so, you know, and which trade shows trade I should probably go to. Like, I knew about NAM, but there's actually more. <laughs> there's actually more that I should probably go to if I want to, you know, right. sell more stuff. So, yeah. So, I don't know. That's my answer. <laughs> too young. Too, too small to know. So, I'll say... I'll give an anecdote compared to uh, before I even entered the in module industry myself back in the, in the early 90s, I had an opportunity to go to Audio Engineering Society Conference in New York City. And while I was there, they were uh, debuting the Sony CD Walkman. And as part of their booth, they had two women scantily clad jumping on a trampoline to show how it didn't skip. And I'm happy to say I haven't seen anything like that at NAM in recent years, but I've been. Uh, Chris is looking like she has. You, you can still order a booth babe from the NAM catalog, though. Like for their, they have like the things that you can still get booth babe. Okay, so yeah. Well, at least they're not Stanley Clad and jumping around trampolines. I hope. <laughs> I have. I did try to walk around. But I didn't see it, but anyway. So there is some advancement, at least in that perspective, but yeah. 
Yeah, I would say there's, over the last couple of years, there's definitely been more women who have entered the scene and kind of there's a broad range of people who are involved with it. So I'd say, yeah, there's, there's been some changes. It's been for the better, I think, for the most part. Um, it's grown. I mean, it's the user base is growing every year. And with that is kind of changes, good and bad, but hopefully good. We're on a good trajectory overall. I think awareness, you know, is the key. Yeah. Everyone using their voice. Um, so then if you could change one thing about the industry you work in, what would it be? I would really like it if we, I'll preface this by saying this event is amazing, but I would like it if this event weren't necessary, if diversity of all forms were just an expectation and didn't need to be called out so that it was obvious that women did shit like this, that there were people of color doing a ton of things that people were obvious and easy to find and we didn't have to search it and highlight it. That's what I would I agree. I mean, yeah, I, I echo that for sure. Um, I think, you know, since I have to pick something else now, thanks. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I would love to see more openness. Um, you know, like, I, I know that not every company can do this, but, you know, when I started this, I, I set out some clear goals for myself that I wanted to publish the schematics, the board files, the source code, everything for my modules so that people can learn. And I know that there's drawbacks to that, and we've, we've all seen how many clones there are of Mutables modules, but, you know, I've for every clone, there's also people who have learned how to do this stuff from, from what Mutable has done and what others who have taken similar paths as I have done. And I, I would love to see more of that. Um, you know, there's a lot of modules out there and I'm like, I have no idea how this could even begin to work. Um, and yeah, I would, I would love to see more people be open about how they design things and how it works. I would love to see more opportunity between the different module manufacturers to just get together and talk and exchange ideas because I think we are part of an ecosystem that doesn't necessarily compete with each other, but I think by each making better modules, we make the racks better. And so we can, I don't think there's so many issues with collaborating because we do compete in some way, but we also work together and mesh together and, and create a whole. And so the more we can try to work together and make a whole, I think would be better. Hmm. Yeah, I would, I wish there was, you know, more opportunities for education. I'm a, you know, a designer, but I'm also an educator. I've done a number of uh, workshops in the past and I wish that was more of a thing. We have like come synth lab here in LA and that's great, but they, they haven't, they only have so many resources and I wish there was more kind of widespread education and access. Um, I mean, they've started the lending library, but that's kind of limited. It's just starting out and yeah, I wish there were more access. I wish, you know, people were, there's less of a barrier to entry you know, more access, I guess. I think by, um, this is just one example, like bringing all of you together and even putting those uh, ideas and wants for the change that can initially start the initiation and get things moving. Maybe you all can have a conversation and 
maybe there are some ways to talk about um, standards within what Christine had mentioned. And so Calcis Society loves to do workshops and I know that other societies as well. And I'm sure that the, as they're listening, it'd be great to reach out to some of you and or all of you, excuse me, to participate maybe in a workshop so we can share some of this, some knowledge um, to strengthen the modular community. Um, so I thought I had another question. One second. <laughs> um, so we're almost at the top of the hour and I want to ask you if you all want, have anything that you want to talk about, like any upcoming event or anything that you have that you want to share or just, just kind of open the floor for just like a free form statement. I've gotten to go first on everything, so I'll pass and let somebody else go first. Okay. All right, I'll go first. We'll go reverse. Okay, yes, counterclockwise. Yeah. Like it. Um, so, uh, yeah, Omi, my name's Omi, Omi Industries. It's spelled weird, um, so check the spelling when you search it. Um, yeah, I have a module that just came out recently, the R2RAR, and I have another upcoming module that will be coming out over the probably fall area range. Um, I would kind of less related, but I just have been finishing up a workshop I've been doing with Ableton, which is an intro to modular using VCV Rack. So they'll mm -hmm. probably be announcing those through the Ableton user group. So if people are connected with their Ableton user community, they can uh, get an intro to modular using VCV Rack. Nice. Um, Will you have that information uh, on your website at all, or kind of social media? It? Yeah, I'll probably link it when, when it goes live. I have to talk more with Ableton and get a sense of what they're doing. Okay, um, we did just to remind people in the chat uh, that we did drop the links, uh, their websites, to the companies. And I just want to check in also with the chat while we are opening the floor to see if you have any questions out there that you would like to ask them. You want to take this opportunity? Please drop them in. We do have a few minutes. Um, and while you guys are thinking about that out there, um, let's continue counterclockwise. Christine. Um, so we have 1010 day coming up. So we're going to do something on October 10th. It's a, an event we're collaborating with Traversion. There's going to be some giveaways. There's going to be opportunities for women to show their music and maybe some announcements, depending on how some things go. We'll see. And yeah, so 1010 day. Look for stuff on October 10th from us. Very cool. Again, the link, I believe uh, B-Boy Tech Report dropped those links in there for you. Um, and Thea, how about you? Yeah, um, I'm going to be launching my third module soon, which is, uh, I can show you the panel, but I can't show you anything else. <laughs> Very cool. Um, oh, wait, wait. It's let, me, called, let me zoom you in here. It's called Castor and Pollux. It is... Um, Very cool. It is a, a dual oscillator that is based on the oscillators that are in the Roland Juno. Um, so it is a, a very interesting and fun module that has one secret feature that I'm not telling anybody about right now. But um, look forward to that in the next couple of months. And I generally, when I launch a new module, I give one away. So keep an eye on my social media for that. And yeah, I think it's going to be super fun. I'm excited to run this through some chorus and get some sweet 80s sounds. So. 
We'll also drop your Instagram links in the in the chat too, just to let everybody uh, know all the companies do have Instagram as well as their websites. Uh, Chris, uh, we uh, let's see, what do we have? Uh, we haven't made any decisions about what we're actually going to release for the rest of this year. We have a bunch of things um, that we are thinking about releasing, uh, but I think we're going to release uh, the Fractio Solum, which we announced at NAM in 2019, and now we're finally getting around to it, um, which is a clock divider. It fits out like weird, weird ratios. So you can uh, have devices like seven, eight, or, you know, weird, weird time. Um, it's going to be a weird little niche thing, but it'll be 4HP, um, and it'll be cheap, and it'll be a fun little um, nerdy module. Um, and then we're working on, um, we haven't decided which one it's going to be yet, but we have 23 alt firmwares in the pipeline for the reverb that we just released. Um, so uh, we are working on one of those that will be probably in November. Possibly, probably. Wait, I think you might have gotten muted, Chris. One second. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, that's pretty much all we've got for this year. Well, there may be more, but those are our big things. Very cool. So, there is a question in the chat. Uh, we popped it up there on the screen. So, what's a, what favorite module that's not your own? Thea, yeah, let's start with you. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, I really like Forbidden Planet, which is um, a filter based on a, a Steiner filter, which is kind of similar to the one that's in the microbrew. I just, I love the way that filter sounds. It's awesome. My my favorite filter module by far, so. How about you, Naomi? Uh... Probably a three-way tie. The most mo the modules that I use the most besides my own probably be Maths, uh, the QCD from 4MS, and the BIA from Nice Engineering. That ends up in pretty much all of my patches. How about you, Christine? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Here's where I have to admit that I'm not really a big, heavy modular user myself, so I don't have one. <laughs> all good. <laughs> uh, Anything that you've kind of kept your eye on maybe, or even if you're not you, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, no. Uh, what about you, Chris? I, uh, my case is upstairs, so I'm trying to think of what's in there that never leaves that isn't ours. Um, I really, I like the circadian rhythm um, and that tends to be in there always because um, it's just really intuitive sequencing. Hmm. Um, that, that's probably the number one thing that I use. Um, and then I just, I change, I change my case like constantly. So I don't have, and I, I sort of intentionally change it so that everything is different mm -hmm. uh, pretty regularly. So I, I, I don't really tend to keep things um, 
I, I like to challenge myself to like just have a completely blank slate every time I change my case mm-hmm. um, and mess around with it. Um, I don't always get good results with it. <laughs> I think there might have been a slight delay on my end, so please apologize if um, I think it might be an internet lag. But um, so I do want to make some announcements. I know that uh, we have frequency shift this afternoon on SoCal Sin Society's YouTube page. And we will continue with uh, next weekend on Modular Houston and on Noise Blast for noise engineering. And Naomi, I believe you have a performance later on this evening, if I, I remember. Do. Yeah, it's a live stream for Coaxial Arts Foundation. Um, they're a, a venue here in Los Angeles who's been really great. Very nice. All right, well, I do wanna say thank you again so much for all of you participating and coming on and just and sharing your world with everyone. I, I'm i just, I'm very grateful. So thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And I do wanna say thank you uh, to B-Boy Tech for opening up your platform. And yeah, you Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you to all the viewers. All right. Well, that's our episode for the week. But before we get out of here, uh, Travarsi and I thought it would be pretty cool to uh, have her do a patch challenge to wrap it up. So the the patch challenge prompt for her and for all of you out there listening uh, is interdimensional aura. I think that's a that's a pretty sweet prompt. So let's check out uh, Travarsi's inter- interdimensional aura, and uh, please check out all the links in the in the show description to all the different manufacturers featured today on today's episode, as well as SoCal Synth Society and Beat People, everything. Um, yeah, and thank you so much. And until next week.